your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 249 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And we've got a packed show to bring you into the weekend on the Belleville Senators' first game in 338 days. They start the season in Laval because the Ontario government had not given permission for the teams to operate. Has that changed? Pillsy will give you the latest on that. And we've got a Senators game to recap. The Ottawa Senators lose again. They've got 12 losses in 15 games. Who's counting? We are and the standings, unfortunately. But there were a lot of bright spots. So we'll break down that game. We'll get you set for the matinee tomorrow. We're going to be recording after the game for tomorrow's episode. But talk about bearing the lead. We've also got Scott Wheeler, the head prospect guru, At The Athletic, he's been working his tail off, going 31 all the way to 1, breaking down every team's top prospects. We'll tell you where the Sens landed on that list, and he'll give some rationale for his choices. He'll also touch on if the 2021 draft was today, who would the Sens take? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Friday, February 12th in Pilsy. Goalie-friendly show. We have to look out for the health of Matt Murray. He's been playing so well. Do you think he's hurt or injured? This is probably the biggest story. I mean, the Sens losing a game. Yeah, whatever. We'll move on from that. But this is probably the biggest story from that game because Nikita Zaitsev barrels over Murray in a play uh, shorthanded. And right away, you could tell Murray was uncomfortable. He loses a stick on the play. He's wincing a little bit after. And then once the period is over, that was near the end of the period. The training staff is uh, helping him along the ice to get to the dressing room. That's never a good sign. And Man, the Senators just cannot catch a break. Anytime any player seems to be doing well, boom, injured. Stutzla starts the season, injured. Brandstrom, injured. Willannon, injured. Now Matt Murray finally is looking like the Matt Murray that we had hoped was coming to the Ottawa Senators when he signed that massive four-year deal. And he was looking amazing. Even in this game, he was looking good. And then, that's that's tough. I'm saying, hopefully, he's just hurt not injured. I don't think this will keep him on the shelf for a long time, but with Matt Murray's uh, history of injury problems, we could be seeing something serious here. We'll update that as soon as possible at Send Central. You can follow us for hourly, daily, minutes updates uh, for anything going on around the Senators organization, including Belleville. We had the full preview on two days ago on our show, and then Scott Wheeler hits on some important pieces of the Belleville puzzle coming up we should mention the score, 5-1 in Winnipeg's favor, although, Pilsy, it could have been 5-1 the other way, considering how the Sens started this game. It should have been 5-1 the other way. I mean, looking at uh, the analytics for this game, and it's crazy. Now that we're kind of getting more into advanced analytics uh, on this show, following along a little more, it is insane to see how well the Senators were doing. Like that first period by them was a clinic. They were making the Winnipeg Jets look like they were a 31st place team and the Sens were playoff contenders to start the game off. And look, like 
I don't understand the expected goals. You're looking at 4.8 expected goals for the Sens, 2.21 expected goals for the Jets. High danger scoring chances. How, Ross, tell me, how do you have 19 high danger chances and come away with one lucky goal from a spin shot that hits off the post and the goal scorer doesn't even realize it's in? How does that happen? It's funny. You know, we're talking how the Senators make every goalie look like they're a Vesna candidate. This time, they're playing against the Vesna winner. Connor Hellebuck was fantastic, especially in that first period. Ottawa peppered him as well, getting 18 of their 42 shots in that opening frame, 15 of them in the third period. Score effects kind of taking place there, where as the second period, the most important one, tied in shots, 9-9. But at one point, the shots were like 18-10, to and Winnipeg's got a 2-0 lead because... They scored those momentum goals. You're probably sick of me saying it. I'm sick of talking about them, but they continually happen. Eight seconds into the second frame, what happened on that goal? Well, that was uh, that was clearly, and we're a goalie-friendly show, but we got to point out the mistakes. That was a bobbled dump-in by Matt Murray, and he bobbles the dump-in, and uh, Mike Johnson actually explained it pretty well. Since he bobbles that dump-in, the defensemen are in positions expecting to either receive a pass on either side. So when he bobbles the dump-in and the Jets player, I think it was Appleton, sneaks into the corner and gets it, there's no one out front ready to cover Stastny. Stastny gets that right on the tape and beats uh, scrambling Murray. So that's tough eight seconds in. Like, that's you lose the face-off, they dump it in, and then next thing you know, it's a goal on your own net when you were dominating the first period. Now you're down one nothing. That was a big-time momentum killer for sure. Following that goal from Paul Stastny, Nikolai Ehlers, your lookout player, he gets his ninth of the year, and it was a shot deflected from Dylan DeMello. Another sends abroad coming back to bite them. And hey, good for Mello. Effing rights, Mello, as he as he got that one in. But that was just the beginning because then Blake Wheeler, again, he's been doing all of his work. Wheeler, this is on the power play. They get one in that final two minutes, 27 seconds left. In the period, do you think Matt Murray was already hurt on that chance? Yeah, I do. And I think it, it was obvious that that uh, when Zaitsev ran into him, it really hurt him. Like anytime you see a goalie have a yard sale uh, with a stick going flying, that's never a good sign. And they were just scrambling after that. So I think he definitely already was feeling the effects of that on that play. And I mean, the Jets were just pressing so hard at that point. There wasn't really much the Sens could do. And then you get into the third period. They're already down 3 nothing. Hogberg comes in. We don't have to pile on the guy, but there's something positionally that just has to change in his game. Is there like oil or grease on the side of his pads? Because anytime he slides on his pads, he is just zipping right out of the crease like that. Matthew Pro goal and credit to Matthew Pro, a guy that often goes overlooked, but he's a savvy vet and he probably had noticed that Hogberg was doing this. And all he does is a side to side motion in the high slot and Hogberg's gone and it's an easy goal. Like even the Selly, he's just kind of smirking like that's one of the easiest ones I've had in my career. And the camera zooms in on Hogberg after that one and you know like the gears in his head are just racing because his face is red he knows that he probably this was an opportunity to get back in the good books and now he's really kind of dug himself a deeper hole and if Murray's not available for Saturday that's going to be a tough mental start for Hogberg if he is the one indeed that's getting that start oh man I don't think DJ Smith wants that to be the case at 
all. Uh, Marcus Hogberg coming in for that third period, allowing two goals on 11 shots. That's an 818 save percentage, which I don't know, might have even boosted his season average, unfortunately. But we'll see. That That's a dilemma that I think is going to come to a head sooner than later. You even heard uh, Pierre Dorian when he was on the drive, TSN 1200 yesterday, say that if things don't change, they're going to have to look elsewhere. And is that bringing in a veteran free agent to just be a backup and allow Joey to court? There's none Philip available. Anderson? Yeah, I mean, it's too bad. Maybe Craig Anderson could have been a fit, but I don't think he that, didn't think look that so shit. great in his first appearance either. No, no, that's just tongue in cheek. I don't think it would have worked out. But let's focus on a positive because Josh Norris, we had been mentioning his game had taken a turn downwards, and we were prefacing that by saying it's nothing against him long term. It's just a huge ask to go up up against Mark Shifley and all the other top centermen. But he had a great game and got rewarded with the Sens only goal. Yep, a good game by Josh Norris. And I want to say my locked on player was Christian Willanen for that game. And that goal does not happen without Christian Willanen. He breaks the puck out of the zone, makes a good first pass to Watson. And then he does what these left-hand shot puck mover defensemen are going to have to do for the sense to be successful. He doesn't just stop up at the blue line and sit in the rocking chair and wait for things to happen. He joins the rush. And then he gets the puck kind of near the corner, throws it to the front of the net. Norris gets the rebound and swings it in. That's a nice goal. That's a good play. Another guy, I would say my Sun Central standout from last night's game was Drake Batherson. I saw him creating a lot of offensive chances and sure, the goals aren't there for him. But what I like about Drake Batherson's game is the simplicity of it. He doesn't try to overdo it. He just has a meat and potato style of game to him. Get pucks deep, get pucks to the net and good things will happen. And if it wasn't for Drake Batherson, the Sens would have been down one nothing early. They had what I would say is arguably one of the worst line changes I've ever seen. <laughs> All five guys leaving the ice as Adam Lowry and the Jets are breaking out. But who is it? It's Batherson that gets on his horse, turns on the Jets, and lifts that stick right yeah. before Lowry's about to shoot it. That was a massive play by Batherson. Batherson, for, like the Batherson story, forecheck, backcheck, paycheck. <laughs> Do you think that line change was worse than Brady Kachuk missing the check and going head over heels into the bench? Yeah, that I, I'm going to say the line change was worse like that. That was just terrible because the Brady, that's just one guy making a mistake. This was five different guys all making the same mistake at the same time. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, Brady still having four shots on goal, five hits, your classic Kachuk evening. My Sen Central standout, you already mentioned yours, Drake Batherson. Well, mine is the goal score. Josh Norris only playing 12 minutes and 34 seconds. That's on the very low end for his season average, but we mentioned I think that's okay. Yeah. I think that's a great spot for him. Like 12 to 14 minutes still had his 50 seconds on the power play. Ottawa only having two power plays in the game over two, but not as many opportunities with the man advantage. Otherwise that number would have been inflated. His face-offs went back down. He's 25% on the evening, but Really, it's the pace that he plays with through the middle of the ice that I liked. And making those little touch passes, I thought that he had a couple shifts, not as many as I would have liked, but with Stutzla and Batherson. And when those guys are out there together, they work off each other so well. So that's a combination that I'd like to see a lot more moving forward. Certainly more than playing on a line with Austin Watson, although we should give some stick taps. Austin Watson had a solid performance getting his name on the score sheet as well throwing a couple big hits and having a couple huge block shots in that game as well so you know what you're going to get the meat and potato style of austin watson but i don't think he should be playing with your top young pivot 
No, definitely not. And I would say, honestly, of all the veteran uh, guys they brought in, Watson has lived up to expectation the most. He's played his role very well. Uh, another guy I want to talk about is Chris Tierney. Chris Tierney often goes overlooked, and yeah, he was a dash three. He wasn't the greatest game, but he had two breakaway opportunities. One, he tries to go five-hole, doesn't work. And then the other one, he actually pulls a little bit of a deke, gets Hellebuck moving, and then just sails it high. Like, if one of those goals goes in, and the Sens get off that one nothing lead, we're looking at a different game here. I think then you got the momentum on your side. You're feeling good about yourself. And then I, I think you play a little better. And this, this game, the Senators were able to sneak behind the Jets so often. And then that's just half the battle. You got to get the puck to that guy who snuck behind it. And they were doing that. They were getting those full clear breaks. And Connor Brown, my guy, break away again. What does he do? shot wrist shot from the hash marks like <laughs> at least like throw in a fake shot or something like he doesn't even get the goalie moving whatsoever and up against a Vesna, a uh, high wrist shot at the chest from the hash marks he's gonna stop that every single time so the ottawa senators are three and one in their last four games in deserving to win however deserving to win and expected goals are basically the same thing they don't give you any points in the standings, the Belleville Senators might have some more points to be accumulating this weekend as they're in Laval. They're going to play four games in Laval, but afterwards, will they be able to play in Ontario? I would bet yes. And if I did, I would go to betonline.ag. It's the number one place for wagering that has you covered and the one place that we trust. Betonline.ag, you go there, you sign up. It's a free account at betonline.ag, but when you use the promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That means you put in $150, bang, bong, boom, right in your wallet. And then what do you do with that extra cash? Well, we've got Pilsy's parlay of the day. He's on a heater. I actually don't know how last night's went. How'd it go for you last night, Bills? Well, last night I tried something crazy. I was on a heater, like you said, three of four Pilsy's parlays hit. So I thought, you know what? Let's try a little heat check here. We're going to make it a three-team parlay to boost the odds to try to make up for that uh, terrible. And there is no excuse for how bad I, I was to start, guys. That was just downright awful start. So I try to boost things for you. And... Man, I was so close, Ross. The <laughs> Flames, <laughs> stop me if you heard that before. The Flames hit the puck line. Carolina beat Dallas, but it was my easy pick, the Lightning beating the Florida Panthers that didn't turn out. The Lightning fell flat. They lost 5-2 to the Panthers. Yikes, whoops, nothing, Daisy. Nothing easy about playing the Panthers this year. They're like 8-1-2. and two. Yeah, they're on fire. Yeah, they're playing well. The, the little uh, low-risk, high-rewards moves they made have been paying off, like for Hagee especially. Declare was out of this one, uh, I think, due to COVID protocols. COVID protocol, but yeah. They, they've been buzzing, that's for sure. And Bobrovsky finally uh, put in a decent game here. So, as per usual, heavy NHL schedule last night, so we got another light one ahead. I'm sticking to the tried-and-true formula that got me to this hot streak Boston Bruins money line. They've been buzzing up against the New York Rangers. That's a minus 162. And then the only one other game, St. Louis, Arizona. I'm leaning on the favorites. St. Louis money line minus 121. Guys, we're lowering the risk here. We're trying to play it safe. So $10 for that parlay will win you uh, $19.54. Hopefully we get back on the wagon here. And 
especially we want to line our pockets here because we're going to be getting into some Belleville action coming up on betonline.ag. You know the AHL odds are available. Uh, so we're going to get into that this season as well. That is unreal. Making me happy just hearing that. We're going to get a lot of more Belleville stuff. Scott Wheeler coming up soon, but don't sit on the sidelines. Get into the action and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pilsy. So I said I would bet on it, but we have official word from Lisa McLeod. The AHL will be allowed to play in Ontario. This is a massive year for Belleville. So I'm glad that they're going to get on the uh, start of the season starting tonight. Yeah. And there must have been a bit of pressure because the Ontario teams just went elsewhere. To, to play Belleville in Quebec tonight and the Toronto Marlies, I believe out in either BC or Alberta to start their AHL season. So we're fired up for the AHL. We're fired up for Sens prospects to get themselves in to the national hockey. League. Hey, we missed a note yesterday, by the way, Levi Marilinen had 11 periods of shutout hockey. Obviously this is courtesy of at Sens prospects who still on the road to 10,000. So make sure you're following him where, Ever you get your Sens prospect news. Now, Levi Marilinen, I mentioned 11 out of 12 periods of shutout hockey, stopped 17 of 19 in a 3-2 win. That's his fourth straight win to start 2021. And how about Henry getting video of the Finland Junior A circuit? Yeah, that guy, I don't know how he does it. Like we said, he's out there doing the Lord's work for uh, Sens fans because I, I certainly haven't been able to follow Levi Marilyn in much other than following along with Sens prospects. So shout out once again. I feel like we do this uh, once a show, but once again, shout out at Sens prospects. Yeah, friend of the show. And now we have another friend of the show. It's Scott Wheeler with The Athletic. Uh, we mentioned off the top, he does his 31 team breakdowns. We get into all that and more with him. Without further ado, here he is, Scott Wheeler. All right, we now welcome a very special guest back to the Locked On Senators podcast. It's Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, finally, hopefully, taking a deep breath after a comprehensive 31-team breakdown of their prospect rankings, and the Ottawa Senators rank third on that list. But, Scott, welcome back to the show. I got to start with this. How long does that, from start to finish, putting together all 31 teams take? Yeah, it's it's a grind. It's the biggest grind of my season. You would think that maybe draft month would be busier for me and that draft month would be the the sort of big grind for me, but it's not. It really is this sort of first month in January and February when I crank out this content. And I try to get as much of it done before I go to the World Juniors every year as I can. Uh, so all of the rankings, all of the visuals, they, those little sort of tier visuals that you see at the bottom of the articles, those are all mostly done before I head to the World Juniors, i.e. I've sort of made up my mind on most of the players and then I'll tweak them as I go I'll tweak them as I do sort of each of the individual lists and as I sit down to write them but then once I get back from the world juniors I sort of tweak my notes um, I, I've got all of the sourcing done at that point as well in terms of talking to some of their coaches and including quotes and that kind of a thing in there and a lot of the video has also been cut I, I keep a database of video that I cut throughout the year so that I can sort of use those sequences to, to inform the articles on top of that. But then the actual writing process, I mean, it's a, it's a monster. It's early on. I wake up at sort of eight, nine o'clock and grind right till sort of six or seven to do one piece. So it's, it's one piece a day. And then by the end of it, I'm much slower in that process. The last, I mean, my wife would tell you the, the last 10, 
12 articles of the 31 at that point I'm I've melted away like I'm it's I honest to god it really does drain you and I'm up till 1 2 a.m every morning trying to keep up with the schedule so that I can get one done a day and my editors can get one done away. We can stay sort of two or three days ahead of the release schedule, if you will. So that is, is the focus and it's, it's no weekends. It's no days off. It's just every single day you're writing nonstop. Um, and, and I think that's the only way to do it, to, to have it sort of include the proper detail and nuance and to have it feel different than what you read the last time I did it. It, it has to feel different than the project of a year ago. Uh, it can't feel repetitive. There has to be new details, new insights into these players, new sourcing, new video, all of that. So uh, it, it's a grind. The last few, honestly, I, I just, I would have to take breaks and I was just up till like two, 3 a.m. in the morning trying to grind them out because I just wasn't as fast as I was when I started it. Yeah, that is insane. And if you don't already subscribe to The Athletic, you got to do that because the hours that Scott's putting into this is just crazy. I couldn't imagine that. Now, when you're doing each team, do you have a specific order that you go in? Like, are you generally writing in the order of uh, last place to first place or do you just have uh, your own kind of set ways? No, I'm writing in the order uh, and, and I, I submit an order to my editors so that they can sort of plot it into a schedule so that the city, the local city editors know when piece X and piece Y are coming so that they can schedule other content around it. So that when my ranking drops, it's not sort of contradicting what our beat writers are doing. So all of that comes into play. But then I also made tweaks over the course of it. There were teams when I sort of did my pre-World Juniors draft list, if you will, and sent it to my editor, there were teams where throughout January and February, after I got back from the World Juniors and did more video on some of these kids and watched a lot of the college kids who are obviously up and running now, um, that there were some minor adjustments, never more than, say, one or two teams going up or, up or down. But uh, there is some sliding around that happens as I review my list and say, you know what, I, I think this team should be a slot or two lower or that kind of a thing. And oftentimes the teams kind of fit into groups anyways, like there's four or five teams that are bunched together where quite frankly, it's not a big deal to me what their order within that group is. Big deal to um, those fans though. I'm sure you get a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of Twitter action when, when a team is supposed to be 11th and not 12th, the audacity. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, that part of it is, is certainly a part of the job, but honestly, our readers at the athletic, I think they're diehard enough that uh, if you're p- willing to pay to subscribe, to read our work, you're, we don't get a lot of the, the quote unquote shit that you might expect because I think they, they more or less get it. You get the odd guy, but, but yeah, the, in terms of moving it around, no, there isn't really, there isn't really a ton of that that happens after my initial list, but Certainly on players, there's players within each list where I'm writing on that day of and I'll say, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll want to go back and watch a video and I'll spend half an hour watching that player's shifts from a previous game that I might have missed or that kind of a thing. And I might make a sort of minor adjustment there, but nothing significant. Well, one thing with the Sens that I noticed last time we had you on was in the lead up to the NHL draft. You said, as is known, there's a lot of depth in Ottawa, but maybe missing that crown jewel. And I want to touch that you were on at the world juniors this year, one of the few in an empty building in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. How quickly did you realize that Tim Stutzla was going to dominate that tournament? Well, not in that first game. Uh, yep. That first game was obviously a struggle for them. So it was kind of, okay, wait, what's this team going to look like? And are they going to be able to get back healthy? And, and there get was a, a little save. bit of a period. Right. Right. And get a save though. <laughs> Arnie, <laughs> Arnie was struggling. 
so yeah, or I think early on it was okay. How's Tim going to handle this? What's he going to look like? And then once you got into game two, game three, game four, it was Bob's your uncle, right? Like it was, it was a wrap in terms of his ability to, to impact that level and, and to create plays. And I think outside of him and Trevor Zegers and maybe Dylan cousins, those were the three kids, right? Those were the stars of the tournament, the kids that every time they were on the ice, it looked like they were going to make something happen individually. And because Tim didn't have the supporting cast of some of those other teams or, or those other kids, I, I think he almost, it, it was almost more impressive what he was doing relative to what Trevor and Dylan were doing just because he was literally doing it one-on-one. Um, and, and I think that is, is the bread and butter of his game, especially when he plays against his peers. Maybe he'll get there someday, kind of like a Matt Barzell has, has, has got there in the NHL and that kind of a thing. That's the hope that he gets to that one-on-one dynamic sort of transition off the rush, can break ankles kind of level like he is at juniors. Uh, obviously he's not quite there yet, but we, we've seen some flashes of it still. So uh, it, it was a ton of fun to watch him play and, uh, to see them get get that sort of extra game too, just to play in the quarterfinals, that was a big deal for them. So uh, to see them last in the tournament a little bit longer than they usually do and get that extra game to watch them was a ton of fun. And only a one goal defeat to Russia in that quarterfinal. If they had Maurice Sider and Lucas Reichel, mm-hmm. are you seeing a team that could have advanced even further? I think they would have been more of a threat to. I mean, Moritz is playing, if, if they're in that quarterfinal, he's playing 35 minutes, right? Yeah. Like he's out there every other shift. He's playing well, t- the full t- Tim played 24-34 in that game. I'm just looking <laughs> yeah. at the game log now. It's wild. Yeah. And suddenly with Moritz out there and with 20 minutes to Lucas, you've got s- some real matchup troubles for some other teams. And that Russian team, I would say uh, up front, I mean, they they did they have three guys as good as, as those three Germans would have been had they been together? I'm not sure they did. Murat is a great player. Rodion is a great player. Pod Colson's a great player, but I'm not sure those three players are better than Paterka, Reichel, and Stutzel head to head. So if they're playing half the game, it would have looked a little bit different. Obviously, goaltending was still going to be an issue for them. I think it stabilized uh, after the quarantines ended and they got to give their third goalie a, sh- a run at it. But um, no, that, that all of those quarters were good, man. For all the talk of how, how many blowouts there were in this year's World Juniors, every single one of those quarters played tight, which was nice. Yeah, I thought it was a good tournament other than uh, the final result. We won't get into that. That's kind of wiped from my memory. (laughs) But uh, now getting back to your article, uh, Sens finishing third in the league. A lot of uh, movement in this top 20 for the prospects for the center. Some guys being traded, some guys aging out, etc. Some new draft picks. Who was the biggest riser of uh, all the returning players to your prospect list for the Sens this year? It's a good question. Um, I, I'm tempted to say Shane Pinto for the second year in a row. Uh, he, he, it just has been that kind of a progression for him. It's just been this kind of constant, every time I watch him play, he looks like a better hockey player. And frankly, even before that, the, the bread and butter of, of, of Shane's game growing up and then into juniors and into the sort of his freshman year at college was just how he never plays a bad game. So when you go from being a player who never plays a bad game and then suddenly your good games and your best games start to look even better, then it's, it's a really good combination because there's just a consistency about him where he, he maybe doesn't have that star quality. He maybe lacks a little something when you watch him that says, okay, this kid's going to be a star in the NHL. But increasingly, his skating has improved. 
His defensive game's always been there. We know how dominant he is in the face-off circle, his size, his length, his ability to now finish off more plays. All of those things have kind of come together around what was already a really strong sort of two-way foundation. And now we're starting to see a little bit more flair in his offensive game. So I think Shane at this point, I mean, I, I, when I, when he was drafted, I thought he was going to top out as more of a third line center. I could see him being a, a really good second line center at this point. So if they can get that out of him, it, it suddenly makes it a little bit more crowded down the middle in terms of the depth chart. They get to move some guys around into better slots. And suddenly you're not asking so, so much out of players like Josh Norris, et cetera. So um, uh, that would be a, a big boost for them. And I think that's well within the, the sort of realm of possibilities at this point for him. We've taken notice to the fact the NCAA finals of the tournament is two days before the NHL trade deadline. You got to think there's some bodies moving out of Ottawa. Could it be realistic that both Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker could step right into an NHL role? I think it's realistic more for Shane than, than JBD. JBD's a very polished player and, and a very mature player for his age, actually. Like one of those kids who is kind of closer to making that kind of a jump. But the way that the Sens have handled some of the youth early on, it, it, I would be hard-pressed to see them giving a player like him the edge over some of their kids who are still sitting in the AHL and, and having not given players like Logan Brown and Alex Formentin and others who've already been through that sort of AHL process more of an opportunity. So uh, I'm sure you guys have your own takes on that as well. But it, it's – I don't know. JBD, it, I think it would be hard-pressed to see him inserted into that top six right away. I could see them doing that with Shane. Again, it depends whether they even turn pro. Maybe those kids and the and the Sens decide that, hey, we want you to go back for another year. This was a bit of a weird year. Run it back next year and, and play X number of games, that kind of a thing. Uh, I, I think JBD is, is more likely to say, no, I'm done. I'm done with the college level this year and just turn pro. Uh, but I think both of them could make that choice as well. So I, I don't know. It, it would be an interesting dilemma. Certainly they're a team that's also obviously capable of going on a run and, and, and sort of extending their playoff run and that kind of a thing. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it's a very good question. I would be interested to see how they would handle both of those kids. Um, I would be tempted probably to, to not use either of them in the NHL. I, I think some AHL duty might do both of them some good, but that isn't to say that they're not capable. I think they could both play in an NHL game tomorrow and they wouldn't look out of place. Yeah, I'm with you there, Scott. Uh, I'm constantly preaching patience when it comes to the prospects. And sure, I think Pinto and JBD could play in the NHL, but are you putting them in a position to succeed if you're putting them right from college to the NHL on a last place team at the end of the season? Probably not. So I would hold off on that as well. Now, I want to get to, speaking of a guy that's going pro, we're looking at the Sens' third first-round draft pick of this season, Ridley Gregg. Now, with no WHL uh, coming up here, we're not sure when that's going to start. He's slated to play in Belleville. Now, do you think that he's ready for a role in Belleville? And if the WHL does, in fact, start whenever, do you think there's a possibility that he could spend the whole season in the AHL regardless? Uh, I think Ridley's going to be in tough in the AHL. Uh, it's just a little soon. He can play that checking role fine. He's an energy guy. He's always going to give you his effort. That That's the Ridley Gregg story in a nutshell there is. That's, what, that's the kind of player he is. He's got good skill on the puck and he can score and he can make the odd play. But the, the strength of his game is his ability to just sort of work hard, be on top of the puck, forecheck, et cetera. So that 
may help him at the pro level, I think, but he's also a little bit of a skinny kid and he's still got some growth to do in terms of his strength. Um, and then the skill level isn't so dynamic that you're going to say, okay, this kid's going to be able to make an impact on the power play or make an impact on a scoring line. So I think he could be in a little bit of a tough spot where he's not getting significant minutes on the AHL team. Then he's not sort of getting his confidence up and feeling good about himself at the level. And it's kind of this weird middle ground where maybe he shouldn't be in the league, but they still want to get him game reps. So, uh, the WA him going back to the WHL is a no brainer. Once the WHL resumes, uh, Obviously, there's, that's still up in the air, but teams are starting to get together. Teams are starting to sort of train and, and figure it out. And I think the WHL season is, is going to go off with the, their planned schedule as, it, as it's constructed right now. So uh, I expect he'll, he'll go back there once, once they're up and running. Well, how about a double line in Belleville? Maybe Castlich, Kelly, and Ridley Gregg to go cause some havoc. But there is going to be a few open spots in the top six in Belleville as well with the graduations of Josh mm-hmm. Norris and Drake Batherson. Where do you think Igor Sokolov could fit in as a 20-year-old draft pick? I have high hopes for him. I think that Vitaly Abramov could be a good line mate for him in Belleville, a guy who can find open ice and allow Sokolov to use that elite shot of his. Yeah, Sokolov's going to be interesting, right? Because he he's at the other end of the spectrum. He's He steps onto the ice and he's the heaviest, biggest player on the ice in an NHL team. If he played in the NHL tomorrow, he'd be one of the heaviest players in the league, right? So that is not an issue for him. He's going to be great along the cycle. He's going to be able to get to his spots. He's going to be able to hang on to the puck and, and feel comfortable out there in terms of taking the bumps and playing through contact and all of that. So that part of it, I think, for, for Igor is a big deal. The, the big question with Igor is obviously always going to be pace of play. Is, is he going to look like he's snowshoeing out there because his, his boots are just a little heavy, right? So um, that, I think, will be his big challenge. But if he shows that he can, he can play at that pace, that he can keep up with the speed of the game, then suddenly he's a fascinating player when things slow down in the offensive zone um, because of his ability on the cycle and that shot. And then if he can keep up in the track meet in transition, he can involve himself there as well with his shot. So he's a, he's a really interesting player and, and, and a kid who I think could have an immediate impact with them. Obviously he's a little bit older, all of that's going to enter the conversation, but uh, again, it's all going to come down to his skating and whether he can keep up with the pace. And I'm of the mind that he'll be just fine in that area. I think it may be a little bit more of an issue for him in the NHL than it is in the AHL. I think he'll be just fine in the AHL and he'll make an impact. Hope you're enjoying our chat with the athletic writer, Scott Wheeler. Always great to have him on talking about prospects, but we got to interrupt this chat for a quick message from our friends at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Not just a couple, not just the big names. They got all of it there at RockAuto.com. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. If your pets are messing up your ride or you spilled a milkshake in there or something, don't worry. RockAuto.com's got you covered. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. That's the key there. If you, you might know what you want, but if you can't find it, that's no good. Not at rockauto.com. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, 
Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. If you've been putting off a project on your car, trying to fix something up to make it look a little nicer, run a little smoother, why wait? You can be a do-it-yourselfer and get the best prices you possibly can from rockauto.com. Why would you spend up to twice as much for parts in this economy, in the pandemic? Not a chance. Head to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you once again, visit rockauto.com, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you rockauto.com. Now back to our chat with Scott Wheeler. Yeah, we're really excited to have him, and he's got already a huge fan base in Ottawa. Just oh. such a lovable kid. So he, everybody's cheering best. for. We're calling him Igor Ovechkin until he proves us otherwise with that shot, and he's got the flow growing out now. And I just have a quick question on the back end: Who the hell is Ole Alsing? This guy put up some impressive numbers in Sweden. He's stepping into a, a role that on a depleted Belleville defense. No Max Lajoie, no Christian Yarosh anymore, and Brandstrom's graduated. Where's he fit in? Yeah, he, he'll be, Ole will be an interesting fit. Uh, obviously, he's a little bit on the older side. There, there's more experience there. Um, I, I don't know. It, he's a player who I, I think he probably tops out as, as kind of a bit of a tweener. He's, he's, he might give you decent organizational depth. He might be that sort of eighth, ninth call up for you. But um, it, it's, I, I, I would be surprised if he becomes sort of more than just a good AHL piece. But I do think he's got a chance to, to step in and, and sort of be a good AHL piece and, and fit in in that group and sort of be a, a regular, reliable option. Yeah, I, I can see that as well. And hey, you know, the NHL franchise organizations, they need guys that can just play solid in the AHL to help support some of these younger players that they hope can develop into NHL roles. And I'll transition that into my next question and final question for me, Scott. Uh, a guy that's coming over to Belleville, Lassie Thompson, a first round pick. He had a terrible start to the season over in Finland. That just wasn't working for him. You have him ranked 11th in the Sens prospect pool, but you also mentioned that you think the North American ice will favor his style of game. How do you think that's going to help Lassie? And do you think he can have a bounce back uh, year after that rough start in Finland? I do. Yeah. Lassie's always been a a little bit of an interesting player for me because I actually quite enjoy watching him play, but I was pretty aggressive at the time and believing that he was picked too high and that he was more of a second round pick. Um, Lassie's a player. I mean, the shot is there. He's got a very, very hard, accurate point shot that can score goals. And, and his, the skating is there. The physical tools are there. He has a pro frame. So a, a lot of the sort of pieces of the puzzle are there. With Lassie, I think it's always been about how he processes the game, how he makes decisions, how he anticipates the play. The, those things uh, in terms of that sort of problem solving that's so important in today's game, those things have always needed a little bit of catching up to, to maybe the athleticism and the physical tools and his ability to shoot the puck. Uh, I do think, I mean, we've already seen it on North American ice in the WHL, but I, I do think he'll be a good fit in terms of the, the smaller ice surface. He has to rely a little bit less on his skating. He can play a little bit more of a positional game. Uh, I, I don't know. He, he's going to be, I think, a factor long-term in terms of promotion for the Sens. 
but I do think it might take him a little bit. And, and I do think you have to be cautious about your expectations with Lassie to say, okay, if he becomes a five, six, if he becomes a regular in our top six, that at this point is a win. And it may not be a win for him as a first round pick, but it, it, it is a win in terms of just his, his status as a prospect as it stands today. So I think you might have to maybe readjust your expectations, but I do still think that Lassie has an opportunity to become sort of a, 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 a sturdy, two-way um, kind of aggressive defender when he when he's really feeling it. And I do think he's a lot better than he showed this year. And he actually had an excellent season in Liga last season, age-adjusted in terms of size time, his production, the role that he played on that team. So uh, it, he, it's not sort of a lost cause, if you will. And that Tom Bomb can help any power play unit in a hurry as well. And when you have the defensive depth that Ottawa does in the prospect pipeline, if he can be just a five, six guy, as long as a guy like JBD maybe can jump up into that top four, um, then you're looking like you're pretty set with Shabbat Sanderson and Branstrom in the system as well. Final question for me is uh, Scott is which prospect was the hardest to rank out of the 20 plus the honorable mentions that you had in Ottawa. You guys are probably going to laugh about this because I'm pretty sure we discussed him last year, but it's still Vitaly Abramov for me. Yeah. He's, Knew it. I mean, he, he drives me crazy. I love <laughs> watching him play when he's on, when he's feeling it. He is a dynamic electric stick handler. Uh, he, I mean, it's his hands are they're They're magic. That, that's the, that's the strength of his game is his ability to make one-on-one plays to go side to side, to drag pucks through his feet and kind of leap around defenders uh, to play pucks under sticks. And, and all of that is, is really, really quite impressive and impressive against his peers. Like you see him in practice. I remember watching him at the, the NHL PA used to do like a, a, an all-star scrimmage in the summer where they would bring in the top prospects and they would throw NHLPA jerseys on them in Toronto and they would do photo shoots and they would sort of hang out and do interviews to the Toronto media. And I remember when he was a part of that with the best young players in the world, there were sort of 20 of them there and they had one of those practice sessions and they were out there on the, on the, on an Olympic sheet in Toronto at, at the MasterCard center. And that his the, the, these kids just could not laugh like he was undressing kids when, when it's that kind of a game and when they're all trying to have fun and when they're they're showing off it, like it was magic right so it, obviously the the pro game the nhl game is a lot different than that uh and, and that was it made him a, a bit one of the most dominant individual threats in in junior hockey when he played in the qmjhl uh and it's been a little bit of a more of a struggle now and his skating isn't great for a player who's kind of five foot nine, five foot 10, five foot 11. So all of that enters the conversation now, but I, I really do still believe that in the right role and some kids never find that right role because the, there isn't the right line mates within their organization and they need a very specific set of circumstances to kind of be at their best. But I think with the right line mates and the right usage that you could still see him really thrive in a top nine role in the NHL and could still see him help out a second power play unit and, and be a good, a good piece of the puzzle and a fun entertaining piece of the puzzle who gives you something a little bit different. So whether that ever happens in Ottawa or whether that ever happens at all, I think it, 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 if it doesn't happen in Ottawa, it'll be difficult for him to make it happen elsewhere because he's already been through a couple of organizations and that does rightly or wrongly develop a bit of a reputation. So I don't know. He's just a weird, fascinating prospect who I, I think very highly of, but uh, maybe he'll ultimately let me down long-term. I don't know. Hey, well, we'll see. That's the beauty. At least there's there's Belleville Senators hockey on the horizon. We haven't been able to say that in about 330 days. So he ranks in the top 10 
to find out where. Go read Scott's article. It's very in-depth, and make sure you subscribe to The Athletic for that as well. I'd like to see him play with the player who's ranked 14th and 8th on your list. So, yeah, go check out the article to see who those are. Hey, before you go, final, final question. The Senators with two wins in 15 games. If they picked first overall today in the 2021 draft, who are you going with? Oh, that, that is the million-dollar question. I've got my March list coming out in, in three weeks from now. I'll have a sort of up the, the third, my third draft ranking will drop. I'm doing them at kind of every three months here because there isn't a lot of hockey to watch. There's not a lot to update. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm still bouncing around kind of two or three players for that spot. I, I, I think the sum of the souring on Owen Power is, is frankly a little crazy. I think Owen is... The, the least likely of the sort of top five defensemen to go outside the top three NHL teams absolutely love him. Uh, and I understand why. I mean, Owen has everything you're looking for in a defenseman. He maybe doesn't have the skating of a Luke Hughes. Uh, he maybe doesn't have that sort of side to side handling that Simon Edvinson has in this draft class from the back end. But in terms of his ability to play big minutes and to still be able to run a power play, it is such a rare combination when you're six foot four, six foot five, and you can do all of that. So uh, I think Owen is probably the safest bet at first overall, if you want a, a sort of guaranteed top of the lineup player who can play big minutes and that you, you, you want to sort of quote unquote, play it safe, even though I'm not even sure it, that that's a sort of fair description for him. Cause I think that can almost undervalue him by calling him the safe pick. Uh, Owen's probably still the guy for me in terms of that kind of a pick after that. I, I don't know. It gets interesting. Luke is, is his skating is special. Just like his brothers. I mean, Luke Hughes is, he's a fascinating player. I've typically been a little bit lower on him, but in my recent viewings, he has been sensational. So he's now kind of re-entering that top three, top four conversation. Whereas before he was kind of in that sort of six to eight range for me. So Luke is now kind of in that conversation for me. And then Kent Johnson, another kid who I think almost gets overlooked because there's something about his game that most evaluators are afraid of, which is that he's skinny. He he's, he's a skinny scrawny kid. And the, the, the questions with those kinds of kids always becomes, how's that going to look when it, suddenly you're not in the NCAA or in the junior A level as he was last year and you're in the NHL. And I think in, in the case of someone like Elias Pettersson, we learned that, hell, it's, it's not a big issue and maybe t- teams overlooking how skinny Elias Pettersson was in his draft year was a mistake. So I think Kent is fabulous. He's a better skater than Elias was at the same age. He doesn't have the shot, certainly. I mean, Elias has one of the best releases in 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 hockey today but um i i think there are parallels there in terms of at least if kent johnson slips to fifth sixth seventh eighth overall which i think is possible if teams decide to play it a little bit safe in a bit of a weird draft and take players like matt veneers and owen power who are sort of closer to being locks uh i think kent could be the elias Pettersson of this draft where you look back five years from now and this guy's point per game in the nhl and he's a stud and then you wonder why you didn't take him in the top three. So those are probably the three that intrigued me the most is Luke Hughes, Kent Johnson, and Owen Power. I'm thankful you gave us an option that wasn't a left-hand defenseman because like Shabbat, Branstrom, Sanderson, how many? Clevin, let's go the K-Train, add him in that list. We needed a little something. But if you know Pierre Doria, it's going to be Matt Beniers, the safe pick out of the U.S. program, as it always is. Scott, we're really excited to see that ranking come out in March, and we're certainly going to be chatting with you again before the draft. So thanks again. You're now a recurring guest, which means... 
can't say no anymore. So we're yeah, looking forward thanks, to the next chat already. Thanks so much, Scott. Yeah, anytime. Love, love joining you guys. Stick taps to Scott Wheeler for joining us. Obviously, you already follow him on Twitter, but if you don't, it's at Scott C. Wheeler. Great prospect content all the time, and we're really looking forward to that March 2021 draft rankings as the Ottawa Senators currently have the best odds for first overall. But Pilsy, right now the focus remains on both the Belleville and Ottawa Senators. I mentioned off the top, we are going to record tomorrow's show following both of those games. Nodak plays tonight and tomorrow as well. Keep an eye on your Nodak sends. But we're going to do a locked-on player for all Belleville games, and we're going to get to our locked-on and lookout player for the Ottawa-Winnipeg matinee. Hockey Day in Canada at 3 p.m. tomorrow. We'll start with today's game, right? What's directly ahead? Who is your locked-on player for the first Belleville Senators game? I will mention as well a free view, they're calling it, for AHL TV. So this weekend, you're going to be able to go to AHL.TV and watch your Belleville Senators take the ice. Well, this is uh, it's a bit of a bittersweet moment, though, Ross, because sure, you're going to get to watch your Belleville Centers on AHL.TV, but you're not going to get the amazing camera two wide follow work of Ross Levitan, and you're not going to get those incredible pieced replays done by yours truly. So that's a tough one for us because we had a lot of fun going to Belleville those two seasons, but eventually you can't be driving 360 kilometers for three hours of minimum wage work. It just doesn't, uh, it's not sustainable. We'll say that. So the love of the game, we definitely had it, but we're going to still follow along with the Belleville centers on AHL.TV. Make sure you get your subscription for sure. That's a key part into keeping the AHL running is they need revenue somehow. And that's a way that they're going to get it now. Looking at the season opener for the Belleville Senators, there's one guy and one guy alone I'm going to be locked on to solely. It's Logan Brown. Pierre Dorian said, and we're not sure if we'll take him at his word, but he said only if Logan Brown plays really well will he get called up. But I'm going to be watching Brown to see is like this is kind of Logan Brown's last shot here. He needs to prove himself at every opportunity. He's getting an incredible opportunity to start the season in Belleville, a league he's already dominant at. He's going to be a number one center. Rack up those points in the four games against Laval, then make your way up to the NHL and then stay there. So I'm hoping Logan Brown gets off to a hot start, build some momentum, build some confidence and uh, string together a couple point streaks in the first AHL games here. Yeah, Pierre Dorian also said that Logan Brown would already have been in the NHL last year if their team had 10 power plays per game. But I'm excited. You're right. Get Logan Brown's feet under him and let's get this train chugging along. I'm locked on our boy, Joey Decord, his first action in like 330 days. He's going to be electric out there. His movements are crisp. He's been practicing with the NHL players over the past month and a half. He's ready for this challenge, and he's going to do even better this year than the 915 save percentage and 15 wins in 24 games indicated last year. Fired up for Joey, and we got to shout out Igor Sokolov. You heard Scott Wheeler. Good expectations for him in terms of AHL production, so we can't wait to see Igor Ovechkin do his thing against Laval. Yeah, definitely excited to see Igor get going in the AHL, that's for sure. However... I'm also, I'm going to give three locked-ons, I guess, because I already mentioned Sokolov and Decord, but Ridley Gregg's, of course, an interesting piece. A first-round pick, a guy who wouldn't be allowed to play in the AHL if it weren't for the WHL season going on pause. So I'm going to be looking out for him. Hey, Pills, did you see, I don't know which 
WHL team, but there's Red Deer. They got bunks in the in the suites. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell is that? That's awesome. Hey, like say what you want, but that that would be a lot of fun. I think if uh, you don't have to worry about COVID protocols too much, like just the boys literally living in the rink. I mean, Colin White knows about that being a rat rink, but uh, I think you could have a lot of fun with that. Uh, all the guys staying there. You got. Uh, your captain staying in the executive owner's suite maybe gets a little <laughs> nicer spot, but that would be cool. Waking up every morning, you, you stretch, open your arms and turn over and there's your WHL rink. So that's going to be a cool, but weird experience for these guys. Yeah. Real estate people sell ocean views or mountain views. How about a rink view? You wake up and you're in the suite. So just the, the story, if you aren't aware, is the Red Deer Rebels are going to live in the arena for the 24-game season just to kind of make their own bubble. So uh, that is hilarious. There's photos of, of single beds being put into the executive suite. So that is just a wild story. But that is the love of the game right there. That is just the most Canadian story that you can get. And we love it. And we also love the all-Canadian division. We mentioned Ottawa, Winnipeg on Saturday, 3 p.m. start. Who are you locked on for the Ottawa Senators in that game, Pills? Well, I'm going to be locked on a guy I mentioned, and that's Chris Tierney. Chris Tierney with uh, the other centers, really. Well, We'll say Stepan and Norris have been struggling lately. I think uh, Colin White has kind of found his game, so I wouldn't say he's struggling. But with those guys struggling, Chris Tierney has really taken on a bigger role here. And man, I said it. He had those breakaway chances. Like he's more of a disher than a shooter, so he's not really used to those uh, executing in those solo moments where he's got to be the guy that finishes the play. But I'm going to be keeping an eye on him because I've always been a Chris Tierney fan. And I think with some more ice time and some confidence, uh, maybe he starts setting guys up instead of being the finisher, but I'm going to be locked on to see how he does tonight. Yeah. And tomorrow. Re- rebounding from a minus three effort as well. You mentioned maybe not indicative of his entire game, but that is a stat where the player looks at at the end of the night and says, Hey, I got to be a bit better. Let's get that to be a plus tomorrow. I'm going to be locked on Artem Zub. And we haven't mentioned yet. He did not play due to uh, inconclusive COVID test, which air on the side of caution, all good. Josh Brown was inserted in the lineup, but Zub's then next test came back negative. He's good to go for Saturday's game, and he's a steady presence. Crazy to say, only six games into his Sens career, but I love what he brings on the back end. And when we put out our Sens Central standouts at the end of every game, it's so funny. Even last night, people saying Artem Zub. This guy is a mythical creature and one who fans are clearly becoming attached to. What about your lookout player? Who are you watching out for in terms of Jets? Well, I think the the time has come. It's uh, his third game now. He's getting into the groove of things. He had uh, 17 and a half minutes roughly played for the Jets, and that's Pierre-Luc Dubois. This is their big acquisition. He traded Line and Roslovic. Roslovic looking like an all-star nine over in Columbus. Nine games. I, I kind of suspected that because he was a guy that got buried in the lineup and wasn't happy with where he was and the opportunities he was getting. He went to the team of choice, the Columbus Blue Jackets, which sounds weird to say, but that's exactly where he wanted to land. And he's uh, hit the ground running, that's for sure. So the Jets want to see some contribution from Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I think third game in, matinee game, I think that's when he can get settled and really make an impact yeah interesting because that quarantine would throw anybody off but he must be looking at what's going on in columbus and seeing that the throw-in from the trade is out producing him by tenfold so it is going to be interesting to see how pierre-luc dubois answers that i'm going to go with connor hellebuck for for my lookout because this guy made 41 saves on thursday could we be so lucky that laurent bossois yeah that's what i was thinking 
Ottawa would probably make him look like Patrick Waugh anyways, but it's, it's a little bit less uh, scary, I guess, if you're a forward coming down. And, dude, Connor Hellbuck just – he's kind of old school too. Eh? He kicks out legs, and he's kind of flying around. He's huge too in net. He takes up a lot of room, and he is uh, – he's a hell of a goalie. Uh, not to get too punny there, but he is uh, unbelievable – talent and i'd say for my money he's right up there with carry price is the best goalie in canada yeah yeah in canada for sure yeah i would say the only the only guy that really jumps out to me as being better would be vasilevsky but uh those those three are pretty much uh, tight company there yeah so let's hope ottawa can produce offense because they're generating offense but production and generation are not the same thing we'll leave you with that a very long episode but we got lots in it was awesome getting to catch up with scott wheeler from the athletic and uh, yeah, make sure you're following him because this guy is as locked in on prospects as anybody. He will certainly be back on the show. Enjoy tomorrow's games. As we mentioned, expect the weekend edition, including our Send Central Citizen, to be out around 7 p.m. tomorrow evening. So you can listen to it on Saturday evening after the game, a little post-game show, or you can lock in with us on Sunday. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.